Hi, this is Steph. Jake. Phil. And we're part of the Young Adults Group at Bloomingdale. And you are listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman, and I am your moderator, and I am joined, as always, by Dan Marcello, our Young Families Pastor. Good afternoon. By Worship Director Scott Reed. Hey, everyone. And by Associate Pastor Bill Calvin. Good to be here. To get started, as always, uh, Dan, will you pray for us? I, I always pray. Oh, <laughs> Don't start with me. <laughs> sure, I would love to pray. <laughs> Father God, we thank you. Thank you for this day. What a gift life is, and that's just something that's more and more evident to me as we're living through this time of life, all of us throughout the world. Life is a precious gift. We're grateful for it. God, pray you'd guide and direct our conversation today. May everything that we say and do and how we interact bring glory to you. And Lord, be with us. Uh, we ask for just a special awareness of your presence and your Holy Spirit as we go about our day today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Scott, will you uh, take us away? Oh, I sure will. <laughs> so first of all, this isn't the question for today because it's either really obvious or like a trap, but it's interesting that I found it. It was, uh, would you rather go to work when you are ill and possibly infect <laughs> others oh, or no. stay home and possibly lose clout with your superior? Luckily, I don't think that's really an issue anymore, <laughs> but like last week or the week before. Uh, but anyway, the real question is, on a more positive note, would you rather never wait in line again or never get stuck in traffic again? I can answer that. Oh, yeah. I have a quick answer. I'd rather never get stuck in traffic again. I mm-hmm. actually like getting stuck online at in the store. Line. In, in line. line. Uh, at the line. store. Well, not online. I, I like getting online. stuck in line. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, can't I like it off. when my web browser freezes. <laughs> no. I like to get stuck in line because it forces me to stop and pause, look around me, hmm. greet someone, sure. take notice of things I might not have seen, whereas waiting in traffic is just kind of soul-crushing. Yeah, I agree for sure. I also think I don't have to wait in line that often. And usually when I'm waiting in line, it's for like five minutes, whereas traffic, you know, you can be stuck in traffic for like an hour and oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. So yeah, I would also definitely rather never get stuck in traffic again. I had a job the summer before my senior year at Wheaton where I drove, it was an hour there in the morning and then it was two hours back. It was in the next city over and it didn't matter if I left work at 3.30 or at 5, I would always get home at 6. And so I just, I started off, but you know, we, everybody on the floor, we, we was, we worked eight to four and I just started doing nine to five instead because I, it didn't matter when I left, I was going to get home at the same time. So yeah, not getting stuck in traffic would be great. Especially living in Chicago, you could feel free to go wherever you want. True. What would happen when the car is just like move? I think you get access to the hard shoulder. <laughs> it's like the parting of the red sea. I don't know if I yeah. want access to the hard shoulder. Because I feel like such a jerk. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you get a hover car. Okay. Yeah, there yeah, we that's go. Fair, I wouldn't yeah. feel like a jerk then. Bill? Well, I've spent a lot more time stuck in traffic than in line. Mm. So getting out of traffic, that's what I'd like. Mm-hmm. It's unanimous. Well, which is why I live a half a mile from the church. Yeah, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. Me too. True. Just across the but parking lot. I will say this. The traffic here... Compared to other places I've seen and where I've lived in the world, mm-hmm. I love driving here. Driving in the U.S. is so relaxing compared to some of the experiences I've had where driving just takes every fiber of your concentration, and it's crazy. I've heard this that is wonderful. Mexico City has some of the worst traffic on Earth. The average person in Mexico City spends some insane amount of days a year 
st- actually stuck in traffic of their life because it just they average sp- like speed limit like speed traveled by a vehicle in Mexico City is like seven miles an hour. Jeez, <laughs> it's really low. This um, is the first time we've all agreed on a would you rather. This is cause for celebration. That's not. I think that's a sign that Scott's not doing his job. Right? <laughs> hey, I'm just trying to bring positive questions here. This has been rule a, number one. What? We're a positive podcast. Yeah, exactly. No, rule number one is no takebacks. Rule number two is we're a positive. <laughs> this podcast. has one of the been questions a, was would, would you rather you slide rather? your bare feet into moist bowling shoes? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's move into topic of the week. Topic of the week this week uh, is brought to you by the Ipsat course. We want to help you know who you are and the incredible value you add to the world today. Bloomingdale Church has two upcoming Ipsat courses starting this Tuesday at 3 p.m. online and Sunday, April 19th. What's the value of the Ipsat? Watch a recorded roundtable with Max T, Ali B, Therese Z, Belinda S, and Daniel R. Watch it at bloomingdalechurch.org slash IPSAT dash round dash table and visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash IPSAT for more information and how to sign up. The IPSAT course uh, taught by me, Max Terman, Allie Burkhart, <laughs> and uh, Daniel Riemenschneider. Topic of the week this week, um, we hear a lot about the ongoing situation with the coronavirus. People are staying in, ho- at, in their homes in Illinois. We've got a shelter-in-place order going on from our governor. Um, and I don't want to spend the next eight weeks just talking about the virus. I think we get that plenty. And, and the fact of the matter is that God still works in us and he works in our lives. And, and I'm really grateful for the conversation we had last week and the conversations that Scott and Dan, you guys have every morning and evening, really helping people continue to live their lives the way, the way God calls us to, despite our circumstances. And I think you know, we said God works best in weakness, and, and people work well with restrictions. It makes you get creative, and it makes you mm. see, you know, what really matters. So going forward, I'd like to talk a little less about the coronavirus, but to wrap up um, the time that we've been spending talking about these early weeks uh, of its appearance in the United States, I want to discuss a passage of Scripture that often gets brought up during disasters around the world and really the Christian response to it. Mm. So Second Chronicles 7.14 is a verse that gets quoted a lot, especially around natural disasters, around um, things that are largely out of our, our control. Um, and the NIV version of that is, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will, heal, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Um, I've seen this get talked quite a bit about um, right now, it's it's kind of a way sometimes for Christians to encourage each other, but it's also kind of a rebuke of our of our country, um, a society that you know is full of sinful people. Every church is full of sinful people. Every society is full of sinful people, and they have been since we left the Garden of Eden. But my question to start off with to to kind of approach this verse and and its role in a world that is on lockdown from this virus, mm-hmm. does God punish countries? Well, I think if we're asking the question, does God judge nations, then yes, he does. Mm. Psalm 110, verse 6, it says, The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead. Mm. That's a pretty heavy verse. Sure. That shows that one of God's roles is indeed judging the nations. To be honest, I have a hard time assigning to God, like God is doing this or not doing that. Because mm. God's ways are so far above mine and his thoughts so far beyond mine that it feels at this point foolish for me to say, yes, God is punishing America or the world um, for, you know, forcing him out of public and private life in a lot of ways. 
which has happened. I feel like God uses these times in ancient Israel when there were there are things like plagues, pestilence, problems, where God is really just trying to get people's attention. To say, hey, mm. wake up. You have gotten away from what's important. You've gotten away from me. And so I, I don't doubt that in some way God is using this because he's allowing it. I don't know why. The whole coronavirus situation, things going on around the world, I don't know why. But I can't help but think that God in, in his infinite wisdom is trying to wake people up to say, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. I love you. I'm not, I haven't gone anywhere, but you've maybe have forced me out in some ways. And just a wake up call to say, hey, return to me. I think all sin gets judged. With this coronavirus, it's worldwide. So is God judging not just the United States? Is he judging the entire world? He has every right to, and there's plenty of sin to to judge. But it's always been that way. It's Mm. not like, Mm. well, there was this 100-year period where people were really pure, and the world was such a great place. That's just not true. So I agree with Dan. It's really, really unwise to think in terms of this is a plague sent from God. I'm, I'm having a hard time buying into we brought this on ourselves by our sinfulness. Hmm. I think it's like Dan said, God's ways are not our ways. And, you know, we see God in the Bible. You know, he did judge the nations when he was, you know, uh, establishing the nation of Israel. He judged their enemies for their sin. We've seen that before. But I think if we get so fixated on that, we're kind of missing the point not the point of the virus, but the point of what we should be focusing on. Hmm. And it makes me think of the passage in John 9, uh, verses 1 to 3, say this, As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus replied, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Of course, that's not an ultimate truth. They they were sinners, but that's, you know, Jesus saying, mm-hmm. that's not the cause of this, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Hmm. And so, you know, whether this is judgment from God or it's just the world running its kind of broken course, ultimately, I don't think we can know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we get so fixated on well, this is because the world is sinful. One, I, we run really run the risk of, of getting into like self-righteousness unless we're willing to accept a huge part of the responsibility and be like, oh, my sin brought on the coronavirus. But also, we're focusing on sin, and we're never supposed to focus on sin. We're mm-hmm. supposed to focus on God and what God is doing. So mm-hmm. whatever the cause of it, whatever, focus on God mm-hmm. and try and glorify Him and recognize what He's doing because of the virus and through the virus. I, I totally agree with that, Scott. I think that's a wonderful point that I think a lot of people, a lot of us probably too, we want to understand why. Mm-hmm. Understand why is yeah. this happening? We want to like find some kind of explanation that we can wrap our heads around and get it. And I don't think we're going to know like until we be able to get to heaven and ask God, so why did this happen? And I'll be able to explain it to us and be able to understand uh, this side of heaven. I don't think we'll be able to get that, but great point, Scott, that you know, it, it really it causes us to spin our wheels and focus on something that ultimately we're not going to be able to understand or we're not going to be able to know the answer to. But in doing so, it really takes our focus off of God and onto something that causes us to waste our time. Hmm. Uh, before we started the podcast, I don't know if the recording was going or not, um, but Bill w- was telling us about how many people die. Was it in the U.S. every day, Bill? Yes. 
And it was what seven seventy four hundred sixty two. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know. I I just think that the virus is. It's. I think I said this last week or the week before. It's not the biggest problem facing the world. It, it's. It's just another symptom of of the brokenness of the world that was brought about by our sin and and it's you know asking why the virus it's like asking why is there evil and suffering in the world it's it's hard to really land on a satisfying answer hmm. i mean ultimately the answer is there's evil and suffering in the world because we brought it into the world yeah, um, absolutely but that's always been true that will continue to be true and yet we still ask the question so i don't know I, uh, asking why why the virus i I don't think you're going to get satisfying mm-hmm. results. I want to say this about it, that A.W. Tozer felt that this category of theology, which is called theodicy, mm-hmm. trying to come up with a theology of suffering, he felt that that was a waste of time, so he didn't give any of his mental energy to it. Mm-hmm. And I've found that my life is a lot happier if I do not just keep saying, why, why, why? Mm-hmm. But to just move on and say, this is the way it is. If God wanted us to know, he would have given us way better clues than we have right now. Mm-hmm. And no one's ever come up with an answer where the rest of us say, that's it. Mm-hmm. How did we never see this before? Yeah. And in my experience where I've seen people do that, of trying to find meaning in suffering in particular, it, it, it's led them on a path of self-blame instead of finding like mm-hmm. a valuable meaning. It's been like, well, I've come to the end of this kind of search of meaning, and I just think God's punishing me because I've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. So looking for meaning, I don't think, is the answer, but looking for looking for God in suffering. That's right. Trying to see, you know, like what Bill was saying, not asking why is this happening, but asking God, what are you doing through this? Mm-hmm. What can I be doing with you through this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What can I learn through this? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, what do you want me, what do you have for me in this? Yeah. Like what Dan P. said a couple of weeks ago, um, at the end of the service, you know, not asking God change my circumstances, but change me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I can go through the circumstance like oh, you want me to. That was well timed. <laughs> that was very well timed. That, that was, was the last the, service. The last. That was the last thing in the last service. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Thank you, Dan. Dan P. So as I'm sitting in my house and I'm looking outside, I definitely am drawn to this idea of like, okay, like God, what are you? Why are you doing this? And I think it is an important uh, corner to turn and like, okay, well, what are you going to do through me because of this? What are you going to do in me because of this? And you brought up John, you know, where Jesus says it's it's not a punishment. It's that God will be glorified through it. How is God? How have you seen God already glorified? How has he redeemed what is happening in our world right now? Nancy and I are having supper the other night. and There's a knock on the door and a little four-year-old girl is at the door and her mother's standing close by, and the mother says, Skylar made this picture for you just to glorify Jesus and let you know we love you. Uh-huh. And you think, this is great. Mm-hmm. Little girl and her family going around the neighborhood, passing out pictures that she's done a really good job of coloring in her color book. I think two of the six-year-old and nine-year-old who knocked on their neighbor's door and put on a cello concert. Mm-hmm. I, I, I look at what's going on here at church where there's real love being shared and offered because this coronavirus has thrown people out of work. Mm-hmm. So people are texting me saying, does anybody need help? We want to help them. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the church benevolence fund helping them. There's people 
who are standing there ready to to give and to help and do mm. really nice things. I mean, and some of these things yeah. are extremely simple. Mm. Like I, I can think of, there's a couple of guys showing up at church and they're all by themselves. One man is working on painting a room and somebody will come along and say, Brian, there's a lunch for you in the refrigerator. And he just lights up. Mm -hmm. We, def we, we started recording today late because John came and brought a bunch of chili that we moved downstairs. <laughs> yeah. I see in our families group, you know, thinking about our families group and things that we've kind of touched on topics in our class. And one of them, well, early on, back like last September, we were talking about this idea of like when they're raising our kids, experiences versus relationship. Like what's more important? That they have all these experiences like sports and activities, after school programs. Or like good, solid relationships with parents, other people that are going to point them to Jesus. So we said, yeah, the relationships are more important. Now all those experiences have been taken out of the picture completely. <laughs> and what's left is the relationship. And I, I think it's cool. Mm. You know, parents are able to spend quality time with their kids. Maybe they think it would be too much quality time. I don't know. <laughs> I really enjoy spending time with my family in this time as I'm doing a lot of here in the office and then working from home. Um, just being able to be together as a family, have family time it's a it's a real cool thing that doesn't usually happen. So I personally am trying to take this as this is kind of like a unique time in life that's never going to happen again, most likely. Mm. How can I make in my life, in my family, in my circumstances, yeah. make the best of it? And what is God trying to teach me? Obviously, I wish that things would go back to the way they were. Right. But what is God trying to do in this? And how does he want to groom me is, I guess, the question I'm trying to ask myself every day. Yeah, one way that I've been, I think, really blessed by this time is, um, so I think probably most of you listening or all of you listening know that, uh, my sister Chelsea works here at Bloomingdale church now. She's been here for two months or something like that. Um, and so growing up, uh, and like through college and stuff, when we were all home, uh, my mom and my sisters and I would just, we'd just make music together. We, my mom would play piano and we'd sing or one of us would play piano and we'd sing, or we would, sometimes we did stuff at church, sometimes we did stuff at school. We just, it's just something we did, and we really, I really love it. I love making music with my family. And since moving out here after Wheaton, you know, my family hasn't been out here, and there have been spotty instances where, you know, I'm home or they're here or whatever, and we can do that, but, but not very much. And now, three months ago, if this had happened, you know, Chelsea wouldn't have been here. Chelsea and my brother-in-law, Chris, wouldn't have been here. They'd still be in Massachusetts. And who knows when they would be able to come out here because of all the, mm. the stuff that's going on. But because it happened now, they're here. They're right next door. So not only do Leah and I have family uh, throughout this, which is really incredible, but Chelsea and I can come together. We can do worship together for the recorded services. We can stream worship together at night. We're making music together a ton, way more than we have recently. Uh, even though now we can, you know, we, we just got stuff going on. We're busy, but I've been blessed by being able to get back into that thing that I love so much, making music with my family, just because that's the way that God has played things out. I think at the end of this, we're going to see people who began to love exercise. My goodness. I look out my window. <laughs> that's a positive thing that's happened. I'm not sure like glorifying God part, but there's like a million people walking everywhere mm -hmm. <laughs> just to get out. Yeah. Well, let's do something that, Bill, you suggested, and I think is really good practice, um, and it's probably fundamental to reading the Bible. 
um, as a church and as individuals. I'm going to read Second Chronicles seven fourteen again, uh, and I would love to hear you look for Jesus and mm. tell me where you see him. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Mm. I saw Jesus right away. He jumped off the page that this is who he was as when he was living on the earth and who he is still, that he humbled himself. He took mm. the form of a servant. He prayed. He got away. Mm. He spent time with the Father. Um, he helped people turn away from their wicked ways. And he always sought the Father's face and showed it to other people. So like that, this is the essence of who Jesus is. He's like both the man part and the God, and the God part, part yeah. in that. He's yes. both sides of that it's, equation. Yeah, it's amazing. He just just like jumps off the page on that. Yeah. I see Jesus in a, a couple of ways. One of the ways is the need for Jesus. Mm. You know, God says, you know, if you will humble yourself and turn from your wicked ways and pray, Israel and the world, like we never turn from our wicked ways, not fully. Mm-hmm. You know, we're always going back to sin. Uh, we see that repeated over and over, not only in the Old Testament, but in our own lives. And so I think it's, you know, it, it's demonstrating this need for something more, something more than just our own ability to turn from our wicked ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and God then kind of provides this, um, this little like insertion into the middle and he changes it from, you know, if you'll humble yourself and pray and, and turn from your wicked ways, I will you know, heal your land. Um, he changes it to, essentially, if you will humble yourself and pray and turn to Jesus, I will mm. heal the world, essentially. And so I think it's, it's, it's another instance of, of realizing that we, we can't do this perfectly. And God, even though God has this, this perfect holy standard that we can't live up to, he, he loves us so much that he provides another way for us to enter into that healing and that reconciliation with him that doesn't rely on our own strength, but instead relies on his. Oh, they covered it great. I don't know if there's anything left I can say, (laughs) but it does make me have more faith to think in terms of if my people, instead of being God the Father, being Jesus. Mm. It just seems so much nearer if my people, who are called by my name, the Christians, Mm. will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins. Not I might or I could. Mm-hmm. I, I will. It's, it's a done deal. Right. And will heal their land. And we have these beliefs. This, this is a big, big belief in our church, the Christian Missionary Alliance, that in the atonement, Jesus Christ dying on the cross, in the atonement we have our salvation, we have our healing, we have our sanctification, and we have the sureness of his second coming all rolled into that time on a cross. Mm. It's an awesome doctrine. We talked not too long ago about people who are disconnected from God being like one crisis away from making that mm. kind of step of faith. And I've been thinking a lot about that and really praying about that. And there are people around me that are like, this crisis is shaking them to the core. How can I be there for them and help them see their need for God? In this. The one other question I wanted to ask is to our neighbors, to people who don't know God, and even people who do, you know, if I'm a member of Bloomingdale Church and my neighbor from across the street comes across and says, like, what, 
what do you believe about, like, why is this happening? What do you say? I think Scott phrased it really beautifully probably a week or two ago, talking about this is an issue of sin, of coronavirus, and sickness of itself. Like, we live in a fallen world. And then taking that forward to, to explain sin and, you know, the fall and how Jesus redeems us. Like, I I just, that's what, that's been ringing around in my mind, Scott. I thought you phrased that just so well. And just such a, a an interesting way to, to bring that up with someone who's asking that of, like, well, this is this is nothing new. This is this is an issue that's been around for a while, and that God's provided an answer to through Jesus. I'm thinking of a segment I heard on Moody Radio a couple days ago. Jesus did not come to set, to take sides. Jesus came to take over. <laughs> that's so true. First John three eight, the Son of Man came to destroy the works of the devil. Mm-hmm. And we don't like the, I don't know why we don't like thinking about that more than, mm-hmm. wait a minute, Jesus isn't just some figure off to the side working quietly. That Jesus is really the point of the whole universe and he's the one we should be focusing our attention on. Um, I think if someone came and asked me that question, I... I have gotten a little bit sidetracked from it with all the craziness going on with the virus, but um, I was reading this book um, on evangelism called Questioning Evangelism, uh, and they one of the things they say early on, which is most of what I've read so far is just early on, is um, this idea that Jesus almost always responds to people with questions, uh, and so the idea is evangelizing the way that Jesus evangelized. So I think if someone came to me with that question, I would, I would try and ask them a question and well, you know, why, why are they looking, you know, why are they asking? What's, I wouldn't necessarily ask that explicitly, like, why are you asking that question? But I would ask, <laughs> I would try and ask questions that would get to the heart of what they're asking, because probably at their heart is fear and is worry. I mean, I think that's in a lot of people's minds right now. And I think, you know, if you can identify the fear, then kind of like what Dan was saying, you know, you can offer them hope. You know, if it's not just about the virus, if it's about confronting death and, and uncertainty, then you can say, like, you know, you could even just say, I don't I don't know why the virus is happening. I don't know if there is a reason why, but I can tell you why I'm not worried about it. Hmm. Hmm. That's uh, a great answer. But I think, yeah, finding out what's at their heart uh, and what they're really asking about, because I think a lot of people right now, whatever is coming out of their mouths, what they're really wondering is, you know, what's going to happen to me? What did you write down? I wrote somebody's name down that I'm supposed to call later today. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Jesus writing in the sand after the lady yes. caught in adultery. Like, what did he write? <laughs> somebody's uh, phone. Got to call someone <laughs> later. I have to pick up some bread. Before we wrap up, does anybody have? Uh, obviously, Scott. Every weekday night at six p.m., you're leading worship. Dan. Yeah, pretty soon we're going to switch places. I'm going to lead worship. <laughs> He's going to pray. And we'll see how it goes. I'm still waiting. <laughs> Not really. That's a joke. I'm still waiting for Bill to... Break out that accordion. <laughs> it's coming. It's got to happen. <laughs> we're going to get cabin fever soon enough. And then you won't have a choice. It'll be like King David dancing in the street with your accordion. Yeah. Well, join, join Renata and I 
10 a.m. weekday mornings. We're uh, doing prayer and sharing just short devotion from the Bible every day. So nice. love for you to come join in. Nice. On Facebook Live. Scott, did you have one? Well, it's not a plug so much, but I guess um, during this season where we can't gather together, where the church building is kind of closed up, and it's not so much about what the staff are doing, but it's really about what you're doing. You know, you are a church of 300, 400 people. You can accomplish way more, and this isn't just true now, this is always true, but you can accomplish way more than our staff of 10. So my encouragement to you is think about what you can be, you know, quote unquote, plugging. What What's a way that you can be serving people? What's a way that you can be reaching people? And one really easy way is to share the resources that the staff are creating. You know, if we create it and it gets to you, that's great. We've reached a couple hundred people. If we create it and it gets to you and then you pass it on to everyone you know or you share it on Facebook, whatever, it reaches a couple thousand people. Um, and then that can just grow exponentially. So share, share Dan's live prayer, share the live worship, share the message, share the podcast. I really encourage you to, to look for ways that you can be reaching the lost during this time. Definitely want to say, if you're seeing God moving during this time, or if you, you see him moving uh, through you, um, or through somebody you know, somebody you love, we want to hear about it. Please send those to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org if you've got would-you-rathers, if you've got questions for topic of the week, if you've got passages that you would like you know, help seeing Jesus in, if you want to pick mm. Bill or Dan or even Scott and I's brains um, for even, that. Even Scott and Even brains. <laughs> Sorry. If you want to pick uh, Bill or Dan or mine or even Scott's brain, Thank you. please, <laughs> please send those into podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. <laughs> Um, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank, thank you, Max. Max. Bill Calvin, take me home. <laughs> you have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast in Bloomingdale, <laughs> Illinois, the heart of the nation. Is that the real is that the thing now? It's never gonna stop. <laughs>